0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Church podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. Okay, so uh, welcome to Bible study this morning. We're going to start a new series, and it's called The Forgiveness That You Never Knew That You Had. The Forgiveness That You Never Knew That You Had. So just to recap on what we've been teaching throughout the time we've had Bible study, let's break down the words for forgiveness. Okay, so the first one is aphiomi. This is the verb. And it means to divorce from and to send away. To divorce from and to send away. When the cross happened 2,000 years ago, God the Father took all of mankind's sin. He divorced man from it. That means they're not one anymore. And He sent it away and He did what we called imputation, and he imputed it to his son. That word for imputation is logizumihi, and it's a a clerical term which means to set to one's account. In other words, Jesus became liable for your sin so that you would never, ever, ever, ever become liable for your sin ever again. So God's out of time. He took all of your sin and accumulated it into, into one, and he then imputed it to Jesus And he became liable so that you would never need to become liable again. I look at people and they have emotional problems. They have all kinds of different things. I guarantee you the root of most of those people's problems is that they are harboring guilt. Because what they're doing is they're beating themselves up for something that they did in the past that has nothing to do. They are divorced from and it's already been sent away and it will never come back to them again. Understanding that is key to knowing that you're forgiven. It's not like, oh, well, I did something today, so now that's set to my account, and then if I confess my sin, then it's forgiven, then I can move on. That right there will lead you into a life where you'll have no rest. You know, I love what Jabin said, I haven't confessed my sin for 14 years. That's not a bragging thing on his part, it's a bragging on Jesus's part, because guess what, he did such a good job of removing our sins that we don't have to ever confess our sins ever again. doesn't mean that you can't talk to Jesus about your struggles, but it's not set to your account anymore. Amen? Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Do you understand? Now this this is for people that are still struggling where they think that they can lose their salvation. If in the beginning, the wages of sin is death and the only way out of that debt is to die, what makes you think there's something else that you could do after that that would take away your salvation when there was nothing you could do in the beginning from it? It's not like there's another option in of ourselves here. What does it say? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The weight comes off and we're free, not having to worry about our salvation anymore. Because don't you think for one second that if we could have done something to take care of our sin, Jesus would have never needed to come, amen? The forgiveness that you never knew that you had, the first thing is iniquity. So if you look carefully at Isaiah 53, okay, that is basically the... Arama of just everything encapsulated into one chapter about the finished work of Jesus. And And it uses the words iniquity, sin, and transgression. In modern Western civilization, we just call it sin. But they're actually all something different. And to understand that you're forgiven for each one of those, and you understand what those things are, guess what? Set you free. Amen? So the Hebrew word for iniquity is the word avon. Ladies, you remember Avon calling. I think I might have did an order or two to Avon. And so in the Hebrew, it's it's always right to left. It's an ayin, it's a vav, and it's a nun. Ayin is a picture of an eye. Now in the Hebrew mind, eye means what you see. Then you got a vav, which is a picture of a nail that fastens two things together and they become one. And then noon is a picture of fish darting through the water. That means it's alive. So what your eye sees, it hooks to and it brings life to the lust of whatever you put your eyes on. Here, let me just give you a a little just precursor. Everything that you see with your eyes from beginning to end has been totally forgiven. And I really struggle with this. This was a big thing for me. So when I found this out, I rejoiced in this. This is the best news I could ever hear. By the way, just so you know, when we did training at Metro International in New York, and you teach kids, they teach you 87.7% of everything you learn is through visual. Wow. So just think of all the sin that that makes up just from what you see. So Genesis 3, 6 through 7, this is where iniquity came in. Iniquity, iniquity you could actually say, is the original sin. So so let's, let's take a look at the woman here for a second. No, we're not picking on women. You didn't make, you didn't make Adam eat the fruit, okay? So let's just get that over with now. So it says that she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. By the way, the word eyes is ayin. It's this letter right here. That's the word for it, ayin. It was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to, to make one desire wisdom. So she saw it. It hooked to it. It brought life to that lust for that tree of perverted wisdom. Do you know the verse after it says that their eyes were opened? This is where the perverted wisdom came in. And they saw that they were naked, and they hid themselves because they were ashamed. See, the second that they exchanged God's wisdom for worldly wisdom, they didn't see themselves the way they should, they didn't see each other the way they should, and they didn't see God the way that they should. That's why people still have iniquity in the sense that they have a perverted way of seeing themselves. They have a perverted way of seeing God. They have a perverted way of seeing other people. And thank God through the renewing of the mind, all those things can be changed. Because remember, renewing in mind actually comes down to the word naus, which the root of it means literally perspective. And when you have iniquity, it's a perverted perspective of what's really there, but you can't see it because of the perversion. It's twisted. Sort of like Andrew, uh, Andrew uh, not Farley, Andrew Womack. He's, he's twisted scriptures. It's perverted. They're seeing the scriptures through the wrong lens. And because of it, they're in bondage today. See, do you know the main thing in the book of Acts with Paul was, he said, they came out to spy the liberty that they had. Some people don't want people to be free. They're in bondage, so they want everybody in bondage, and they don't even know they're in bondage. Isn't that interesting? To spy out the liberty that they had. You'd think they would rejoice, no. They came in to spy it out. So uh, let's look at some of the payments that were made, but we're gonna look at where uh, iniquity is talked about in Exodus 25, and it says this, I will visit the iniquity to the third and fourth generation. Now you know uh, this is where people get generational curse. Listen, for a believer that's in Christ, there's no more generational curse. And the the word visit is paquad, and it literally means to punish. God would punish to the third and fourth generation. So I went through this whole thing. I went to this Masonic church, and of course they do generational curses, breaking them. And it was like, no, I had to keep going farther and farther and back, and you never could get to an end. But by the way, do you know, it goes all the way back to, to Adam. So you would have to do this all the way back to Adam. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, you can't pay for anything that's gonna show you your family tree all the way back to Adam. And how much more repeats to know that it's already broken, that God's never going to punish me. Now, it doesn't mean that there still can't be iniquity there, but he's not going to punish for it anymore. As a matter of fact, he's the one that says his goodness will lead you to repentance, and you'll have a different perspective, and you won't see things twisted anymore. Hebrews 10, 17. This, this is the, the climax of the new covenant. And I love it because it's going into, into Jewish minds in the book of Hebrews, but Hebrews is not written for us or to us. It's for us. We can learn from it, but it's not written to us. Why? It's for Jewish people, okay? Um, And so, basically, in this, he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. Listen to what comes first. I will put my laws into their hearts, and then in their minds will I write them, and their sin and iniquity I will remember no more. No more is ume in the Hebrew, uh, in the Greek. It's a double negative. That means absolutely not. How can Jesus carry our sins, him be judged, condemned, and punished, and then God turn around on a just foundation and set those back to our account and judge, condemn, and punish us again? Double jeopardy. Does it even, our, in our own system of law, we, d- we don't do that? How much more God? Okay, so Isaiah 53.5, and here it's mentioned. And, and if you go look, there's iniquity, sin, and transgression all in Isaiah 53.5. We're going to go over in the following week sin, and we're going to go over in the, and after that, we're going to do uh, transgression. And then we're going to do the four things that comes out of your life when you know you're forgiven. So that would be the full seven weeks. Amen. Okay. So Isaiah 53.5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised. But the word bruised is daka, which means crushed, yeah. pressed for our iniquities. Chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, where was Jesus crushed? The Mount of Olives, Gethsemane. You know, Gethsemane literally means the oil press. And so what happened? He's having this conversation with his father, and he says, Father, if this cup may pass from me, but not my will, your will. And it literally says that Sweat was mixed with blood, and, and it set, uses large drops, fell to the ground. Now, has anybody ever sweated without a sweatband and ever gotten it into their eyes? Well, that sweat was mixed with blood, and it went into his eyes, and that is where we were redeemed from iniquity. Now, I never heard anybody say that. That's something the Lord showed me. But that's where I was. That's where, I was. That's where you were redeemed from iniquity, So even if you are seeing something that's twisted right now, that's okay. God's not punishing you for that anymore. And not only that, he says, my goodness will lead you to repentance. My goodness will lead you to repentance. Do you know who that was written to? The worst of the worst. These are people, they said, okay, you don't want me? Here, I'm going to turn you over to yourselves, let you have your way. And then he's writing to other people that are judging these people. And he says, don't you know the long-suffering and the forbearance of God? That it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Mm -hmm. That's such a peace for me, knowing that even if I'm messed up in an area, God's given me a promise that he's going to bring me up out of that. And I don't have to try to do it. With my self-effort, because that never works anyway. Because anything you start with your self-effort, guess what? You have to maintain it, and if that's the case, then you'll never have rest. But when the work's been finished, we finally can have rest. So uh, my testimony, Matthew five twenty-seven and twenty-eight. So I, re- I memorized this scripture when I was in discipleship. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna memorize, you know everything I could. And I did. I memorized all kinds of words. God graced me for it. He gave me a desire for it. And, and it helps me now as a teacher. When I, back then when I was doing it, I didn't know I was going to be a teacher. You know, I just thought, man, just get me off drugs like you heard last week. And uh, so anyways, it says, you have heard that it was said to those of old. He's talking to Jews. He's not talking to us. But can we learn from it? Absolutely. He goes, you have heard that it was said to those of old that you shall not commit adultery. That's one of the Ten Commandments. But I say unto you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery Amen. in his heart. Okay, so here's, here's, here's the deal. That was never meant for us to live by. Because if it was, every day you're going to be confessing sins throughout the entire day. You saw somebody and you, and you looked at them and you had a bad thought about them, bam, got to confess your sin. A woman walked by or a guy walked by and you lusted, bam, you got to confess your sin. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, just the thought of that. It's like, and and I I did that for so many years, and it was like, it never worked. You know why I know it didn't work? Because I never had a peace even after I confessed the sin. Because that was a foundation of me and my self-effort doing it. It wasn't a foundation of what Christ had done and removed my sin as far as the east is to the west. Amen? Okay, so um, with me, it was lust. Uh, You know, I had a porn addiction for 28 years. Um, I've got almost nine years free from porn. Joseph Prince actually has my testimony on his website now. Um, I just put it in, I was like, yeah, just do it, you know? uh, Praise God, you guys have been good to me, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden I get a thing like, hey, can we use your your permission to use it for like other materials and stuff? I was like, yeah, sure. So when I went into discipleship, I wouldn't even look at a woman. I would look down at the ground and go like this. I was always looking at my feet because there was women everywhere. And every time I did catch one and then I had a thought of lust, well, you know what it says? I've already committed adultery in my heart guilty. Year after year after year, I walked around guilty. See, there's nothing that we can do to appease guilt, but knowing what he's done appeases it and shatters it and destroys it and devastates it. One's fault. Now, if I'm walking and that a thought, can, all right, man, that's already forgiven. I just keep walking. I'm not all caught up and I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And I'm just sharing my, because we all got something, whatever it is, With that, getting free from guilt was like a hundred pound bag taken off my back. You know, like when motorcycles are getting lighter and lighter and lighter now, like the the race bikes. And it's like, you know, well, does 20 pounds make a difference? Well, let me hang that 20 pounds around your neck and see if that makes a difference after an hour. Yeah, it makes a difference. And so when that weight came off and I understood that iniquity had been paid for once and for all, I got free. And do you know people will try to put you back in bondage? Oh, no, 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 no. No, sorry, not hearing that. I'm free, I've experienced freedom. You can't tell me any different than that. And it's not a a pride issue, it's an issue of I'm free. I know what freedom is like now. Why would I wanna go back to something that wasn't freedom when I have freedom, amen? Balak and Balam, has anybody ever heard of this before? So Balak means to annihilate. It's a picture of the enemy, King Balak. And he hired a prophet that wasn't even an Israeli prophet. He was from Mesopotamia and he actually his name actually means a foreigner. And King Balak tried to get Balaam to curse Israel. Isn't that interesting? People will always try to put the curse back on you and try to put the curse back on you. Try to by telling you that it wasn't finished. But it is finished. Jesus said it. It is finished. die. And it's in the perfect tense, which means it's been done once and it never needs to be repeated ever again. Amen? They go through all this thing and God and just, he, you know, God, God's, you know, dealing with them and, 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 and with Balaam. And it's like, in the end, what happened? And remember, this is where the donkey spoke to him because he was going to curse Israel. And then there was a whole thing with the angel of God with a sword. But by grace, he spared that man. You know what I mean? Because he's about to walk into the sword of the Lord because he was going to curse his people. Do you know that you have protection from people that want to try to come curse you? Oh, and you think, well, oh, uh, sorcery or something. No, no, no. People that will want to bring the law back in. They'll try to bring the law back in. And so brings them up on a high mountain, and he's looking down. By the way, just so you know how the the children of Israel camped, you've got the tabernacle, Three tribes, three tribes, three tribes, three tribes, twelve tribes of Israel. That is what they would, that is what Balaam would have looked upon. And he goes, What the Lord has blessed, cannot reverse it. What the Lord has blessed, I cannot reverse it. And do you know what he says? I don't see their iniquity in Jacob. I don't see their iniquity in Jacob. Now look, hold on a second. This is under the law. This is with the blood of goats and bulls. And he says, I don't see iniquity in Jacob. Was there iniquity? Yes, but he didn't see it. Why? Because of the blood of, the, of goats and bulls. Now we have Jesus, one of the Godhead, as a man and God in one. And we have the perfect man standing in our place, representing us. And God doesn't see it anymore. And again, I just repeat myself, I'll remember their sins and iniquities no more. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's just have a moment of prayer real quick. And the trespass offering, it dealt with all of our trespasses. So wherever you trespassed with your eyes, and maybe you don't even know it's there, but you've been harboring guilt, and the Lord wants to show you right now that Jesus became that trespass sacrifice so that you could go free. And in the name of Jesus, you are free. And as I said, with the 30, 60, and 100-fold, it's going to come in waves. And before you know it, you're going to experience freedom that you have never experienced before. Father, I thank you that you are good. And that seed has been sown. And that it fell on good ground. And that it's going to take root, deep roots that can't be uprooted. And it's going to bring forth much fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And we thank you for that today. And what the enemy tries to snatch away, we just say null and void. And I pray that you would give... Every person in here, through your Holy Spirit, fresh revelation of what's been taught today. Just because we've been taught today, we can keep living off it and living off it and learning more and more from it. And we know that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.